The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome back. It's Sunday. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk But No Politics Okay. I am your host, Andrew Lenz. And today I have another first time I'm ever talking to him in person, uh, Mr. Johnny Townsend. And Johnny, I have talked to you, but you've never heard me because of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for having me. It is a beautiful Sunday here. Beautiful Sunday. Yes, it is, yes. As we're recording Sunday. This. Yes. <laughs> we're recording this yeah. live <laughs> on a Sunday. <laughs> Don't forget that. Yeah. I try and do that. I try. I try. Matt, Matt's taught me to try and keep kayfabe with the podcasting. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> <laughs> You'll learn if you work with me more that, uh, I'm not good at that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm very much a, it's funny to look behind the scenes type of guy. So. Oh, okay. You're the, uh, wall type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, very excited to talk about some fun stuff in wrestling. Yes, we are going to talk about, uh, wrestlers that were large if growing up and still give you that little awe even now when you see them on tv even if it's something old or you know something even newer for some people yeah yeah for sure i am um, if you want to start or i could start or <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind starting um yeah, yeah, I just for a background on me, because if people are listening to me, they may not know who I am. Uh, I've been a wrestling fan ever since I can remember. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I was born in 83, just to give a reference. I was when I was a kid, uh, I would my dad would take me over to one of his friends he worked with house and they would order the old uh, Doug well, at the time WWF pay-per-views. And so I'd get to see, you know, Hulk Hogan and and Macho Man Randy Savage and all those type of guys during that time. Uh, and that was, that started to hook me. And then, of course, I was a teenager when, you know, the Money Not Wars hit and you had Attitude Era and all that stuff. So I was at the right age for that. It hit me perfectly then. So there's plenty of guys and wrestlers who uh, I remember looking back at thinking, man, this person's pretty amazing. And then I still think that today. Uh, of course, there's also some that uh, I look back at and I'm like, yeah, not so much, but uh, we'll focus on the more positive here. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to start with a guy who is obviously sort of on the downside of his career. I mean, all these guys probably will be that I talk about. Um, and I mean, he's got a really great documentary that's going out right now, and that's The Undertaker. Uh, everything about his whole gimmick, his whole shtick, I loved, even down to, especially when we had the pallbearer with him. Oh man, with that urn, oh yeah. that's to me is peak Undertaker, and to this day, when even now, even when he probably should have, for being honest, probably should have hung it up a couple of years ago, 
Uh, I still like get the yes. get the cold chills when his entrance hits, when the music hits and the lights go down. Even the entrance still gets me, man. Yeah, there's the Undertaker to me is definitely like huge still. Like you said, once that bong hits, you're like, oh, this is gonna be something good. And I remember when he came out. Series. Um, I was born in '82, so there's a little bit of a reference there. So we we're kind of golden age of wrestling kids there. And I remember watching that and the build up to him coming and just the mystery partner. And of course, when you're like seven, eight years old, you're like, mystery partner, I can't wait, I can't wait. And then he came out and he came out with brother love. And he was still scary and every kind of, well, scary, but in a different good way. And he just like mesmerized you. He was tall. He was, he was big. The only other tall wrestler I ever remember. If he's on kind of like one of your guys is Andre the Giant, but he was this huge guy, and then he was with Brother Love, and I thought that was kind of stupid. And then, like you said, once Paul Bearer came into play, I think that's when it just lifted so many levels. And I still see – I have a younger son that loves wrestling. My other two can give – it can be taken or leave, but my younger son does enjoy wrestling. And I just see the way that his face lights up when the under. Undertaker, great years of him because he's only eight years old. Yeah. So the Undertaker is amazing. Well, all right. Who do you got? Who's who's your first one? My, my guy is Andre the Giant. To this yeah. day, um, Andre the Giant. Just the, the hands, the way that he looks. Um, I I think I probably mentioned on this podcast. I think I've. Conversation. I have. I don't watch wrestling really too much anymore, but I have a wacky obsession about watching shoot interviews, like wrestling shoot interviews on YouTube. Yeah. Like that's what I go to sleep to. It's, it's very odd, but I watch one and it's like an hour long where these guys just talk about Andre the Giant and he's just. The, just how big he was in the ring. And then when they talk about him in real life, and I love hearing the stories about how he hated macho man because he hated big John stud because big oh, John yeah. stud went over the, went over the top rope and he told him, you know, one giant, I go over top rope and, you know, had that voice and, everything else and he's just still just monumental in my mind i have an andre the giant t-shirt <laughs> that's how much he's like in my mind like when i see him and then but the sad thing is i could see it now as i'm older and i look back at like re- the wrestlemania like three and on still went out there and he and he was still that figure like the undertaker is today. And he still put on a great show, told a great story. And whenever he got over that top rope, you knew it was going to be something great. 
Yeah, I I love the I love Andre the Giant uh, just for everything he did, and he's but he's definitely one that I had to go back and rediscover. Like obviously, I always had heard of them, uh, you know the the body slam heard around the world and all that stuff. I knew all that, um, but I we kind of caught him on the down end of his career. Uh, so I've I've definitely went back yes. and watched matches where that guy honestly there was a time where he could book it he could move he wasn't just a slow moving giant guy he could really get around that ring at one point uh there's a fantastic i don't know if you've seen it but there's a fantastic documentary that came out on hbo like a year or two ago yes but andre the giant and it is fantastic uh it it made me cry a couple times i'm not gonna lie it's so good uh but uh just all the stories you like you you were saying all the stories you hear about him uh, he's a le- he's a legit mm-hmm. legend. Like he's probably I'd say he's entered the level of myth. Like he's almost a myth now, uh, with yeah. uh, you know how revered he is. With uh, just even even just on his drinking stories, you know, even just the stories about him drinking, like how much yeah. he can consume. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just just wild. Yeah, he was like the number one reason why I watched Princess Bride. Was same, you- same. You're, I mean, you. We're, we're pretty much the same age, so you know, you're a kid around that, and then you see Andre the Giant, and you're like, "I'm sold. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna watch it just for Andre the Giant." Same. I, I did the same. And thing. then you realize how great of a movie it is. But oh yeah, the movie, the movie's just good anyway. Yeah. Even if was... Andre wasn't in it, but he was the reason I did watch it in the first place. Yeah. Well, there was a I movie, think... Billy Crystal. Oh. There was no, go ahead. A, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, there was a movie Billy Crystal did. I don't know if you remember. It wasn't a big hit. I think it was called The Giant and Me. He did it with George Mirasan, the basketball yes, player. The basketball, yeah, he played for the Washington Bullets at the time. Yes. Yes. That was <laughs> a movie kindly loosely based on Andre the Giant because when he did Princess Bride with him, he just thought him of his mythical creature or creature person. Um, and so he made that movie about him, and I didn't even know that until later on. Yeah, I've I've seen that movie once, uh, and I watched it because I'm also a, a giant NBA fan, so I watched it because okay. George Morrison was in it, so <laughs> I had to watch it because of that. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's just, I don't think we realize the plight of these really huge guys. Uh, their body just kind of breaks down on them. Uh, you know, there comes a point where your body can't handle it, and just the story of Andre the Giant starts out amazing, and it's pretty great where he comes from and how he's able to lift himself up and where he got to. Uh, but man, the, the guy was always in pain. It just made me really sad <laughs> to know yeah. that stuff. Uh, but uh, my next one um, is uh, I have always been from the first time I saw him, saw this guy, I connected with him for some reason. Like he just connected with me and that's probably because he doesn't really look like your uh, typical pro wrestler like there's no way you would hold this guy up as an example of, of what a pro wrestler looks like uh but everything about him how tough he was how uh hardcore wink wink he was uh, oh. <laughs> uh mick foley is I, I am unashamed to say mick foley is my all-time favorite wrestler ever uh, i've had the pleasure and honor of meeting him a couple times. Uh, the dude is as nice as ever. And you know, he just gets the same questions over and over. Like what, what was it like getting thrown off the cage? That type of stuff. Uh, <laughs> but he's just so nice and kind. I've, <laughs> I've seen him be really gracious to uh, tons and tons of people. 
So even when I met him in real life, it still was great, and I was very <laughs> grateful for that. Because I tell you not to meet your heroes, but he was pretty awesome. Uh, but when he was a wrestler, uh, I just remember, like, I love, I was, I was there. I remember being in my room and sitting up when he won the championship, the world heavyweight title that first time. I remember sitting up I and mean, thinking it was the greatest thing <laughs> in history that Mick Foley won. That then he ran around the ring, you know, holding the belt, and other wrestler DX held him up and everything. Man, I just love Mick Foley. To me, today even, he still stands up as a larger-than-life person to me. Uh, man, I, I just adore adore that man. Yeah, I always like Mick Foley um, because I was that guy, I the muscular, you know, muscular guys of the golden age of wrestling and everything else. But then, like you said, you see Mick Foley and – I wouldn't say I'm a lazy person, but I'm, I, I'm, he was just an average guy and he could still do these things and he won the title and the way that he could change to go through each different face of Foley and everything else. And my big introduction into Mick Foley, which is shock, probably shocking to a lot of people is um, for a while there, I wasn't big into wrestling. And then I got hooked on, well, not hooked on, but my brother liked it. And then I kind of listened to the music was uh, the insane clown posse. And they came out. (laughs) Okay. And they came out with the tapes. Yeah. And it was him and Terry Funk doing the death matches in Japan. That was my first ultimate taste of anything Mick before, like when he feuded with Stone Cold as dude love. And I'm like, who, this is stupid. Look at this guy. How is he supposed to be this gimmick? But then as I watched the cactus Jack, and then it goes back to, you know, I watched the old cast Jack, watch the mankind watch, the dude love now. And then I kind of understood why it was like a full circle thing. And dude love was what he called himself when he would wrestle in his backyard and shoot promos. Yeah. The, and the other thing to me is in my opinion, he is one of the top five best talkers in wrestling too. Uh, definitely up there. I don't think I kind of think he's underrated now as a talker because people talk about your rocks, understandably. So, and your stone mm-hmm. colds and such, but he seems to get left behind for some reason. Uh, but to me, he's, he's top five all day long with talkers. He would talk me into a match. Uh, I remember when he was going to wrestle edge and uh, if I was being honest, I was like, yeah, I, I don't really care to watch this. And then he did this promo where he just, it was just him in a chair in the middle of the ring. And he just does this promo. And then I was like, I have to watch this match. <laughs> and it was purely from that. Uh, so the guy can literally, it literally talked me into a building. So uh, that's why, to me, to this day, I mean, I even read all his books and everything. I mean, I'm a giant. I'm a giant Mick Foley mark. I'm not ashamed of it at all. Uh, so he's he will always be larger than life to me. <laughs> yeah, I, the most recent guy now for me that is kind of, or he was more. He was more in like the teenage years, and I was never a big WCW kid. I mean, I liked Sting. Uh, before I learned what kayfabe was, I hated Ric Flair. I liked Lex Luger. But then when 
the Attitude Era and stuff like that. I didn't really buy into the NWO because the whole Hulk Hogan thing. I don't know why. I just couldn't get behind it. But I know you remember during the Monday Night Wars, Nitro com- came on at 8 and Raw came on at 9. Do you remember that? Or... Yeah, when at the very beginning, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't think Raw was live the whole time either when oh. uh, WCW was at some point. Yeah, because they dropped the bomb about Mick Foley getting. Right. But I used to watch Nitro at 8, and I would just watch it because it was wrestling, and I'd watch it. And then I saw Chris Jericho, and I saw Chris Jericho speak. I saw Chris Jericho wrestle, and... Then I later on when he's calling out Goldberg and he's this maybe at best upper mid card guy, but yet he's calling up calling out Goldberg and calling out Goldberg and calling him Greenberg and everything else. And Chris Jericho not only is still like just absolutely amazing to me from that time until now. But he became like my all-time favorite wrestler in that in that time period, just because what he could do in the ring, just the way that he changed his gimmick all the time, and just he was he was a talker, like you like you were talking about Mick Foley, and he and he can talk and he can get heat, he can get the crowd to cheer for him, and he's just absolutely amazing still in my book. He is the he is the king of being able to reinvent himself uh, again and again as as he gets older. Uh, I mean, who would have known? Uh, like I always liked him too. And I mean, I watched. I was a WCW nerd when I was a kid before uh, the Attitude Era. So uh, I I definitely was very much well aware of who he was, and I liked him quite a bit. Uh, like he would uh, he would. <laughs> I loved his program of Goldberg, like you were talking about. Uh, that that one was so great, and it was way more uh, about Jericho just being able to talk you into that feud than it was anything Goldberg did. Uh, and uh, and I'm saying this as a guy who loved Goldberg when he was a kid. But you know, uh, Jericho made you want to see Goldberg spear him. <laughs> that's how that's how good he was at that, and he's still doing it today, just as amazing as he was back then, if not more so, because he's just able to reinvent himself one of my favorite action figures i ever had as a kid was i had this chris jericho figure from when he was in wcw but he was you know he was called the lion tamer at one point so he had this lion yep. tamer costume that came with him and i just loved that figure that was one of my favorite toys as a kid growing up but uh i i'm a giant uh jericho fan as well a jericho holic here uh and uh man the guy is just so good even today he's still beyond relevant and that's impressive um the major wrestling figure podcast i'm like big into that brian myers and matt cardona are just like top of my list for me and i remember seeing that and then they had like a bret hart with the pinstripes because he was the hitman in the mafia style yeah Yeah, see, I was gonna ask you that too because where where you're from, you know, you're you're down south. If WCW was like way bigger than what it was up north and in the, in the eastern area, um, I 
I remember in school it being pretty divided, honestly, uh, when the Monday Night Wars were going on. Um, I I just loved wrestling, so I ultimately would like both. But at the very beginning, I was definitely all WCW. Uh, They definitely had me, because especially the Cruiserweights, I mean, they had some amazing matches on there. I mean, you had Eddie Guerrero, you had Jericho, you had... Uh, you know, you had Rey Mysterio, you had Billy Kidman, you had all these guys you could put on some amazing matches, and uh, and then you would have other like I'd see other legends coming. Like I remember when Roddy Piper would show up, and I was a, and I loved Roddy Piper, so I'd still get to see some cool stuff like that. So I was a WCW guy. So for me, WCW was the biggest thing, but I know for other kids it was pretty divided down here. It was like uh, <laughs> it was like a Coke or Pepsi. At one point, uh, there's plenty of people on both sides. Okay. Down here. Yeah, because we, I remember there was like one kid. Uh, I think he was a grade below me, and he was like, "I don't watch WWF," and I'm like, "What?" He's like, "I watch WCW," and I'm like, "Who watches only WCW?" Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was just like mind blowing because WCW uh, was always like, I want to watch wrestling, but there's no wrestling on, no WWF on, so I guess I'll watch this. Like, I never bought any of the pay per view. No, my dad got me one pay per view, and it was because it was on a cheater box. <laughs> like, when I was like, and it was the one. Rick, where they went to Japan because I wanted to see the Japanese wrestlers. And then other than that, when it came to WCW, Monday Night Wars wise, I watched when oh, there was only two, and both of them I regret heavily. It was Carl Malone. Yes, Dennis Robin. Yeah, that match. Yeah. And uh, this kind of like he was my favorite as a child, but as I kind of knew, I, I don't want to talk ill about that, but he was kind of weird. I found out later on as a human, but I watched, what was it? 1998 Halloween Havoc, Hogan versus the ultimate warrior. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I regretted that one. That was a big regret. <laughs> understandable uh I, yeah. that's a great question though because i don't I, I don't think the younger people realize that when we were teenagers because i remember i just got my first job and worked at a grocery store part-time while going to school going to high school and that's when i finally had spending money on my own and one of the things i would buy every once in a while would be a pay-per-view and it'd always be a wcw pay-per-view at the beginning and uh that was like man 30 to 40 bucks to 50 bucks just to watch one show. I don't think kids realize that now. No, my, my dad, we, my dad had a cheater box growing up, you know, you hook it in and you could get all the pay-per-view channels. And then when I started watching it again, my aunt had one and I would just call box for a night. And so I'd have the cable box for a night and then I would have to, it was like a rental. <laughs> she was like my blockbuster. I go, can I borrow your cable box? She go, yeah. I hook it up. I watched the match that night. And then Monday morning, it was back at, or Monday 
after by the time she got home from work at night, it was back at her house. So that's how I had to watch all my pay-per-views. So I commend you heavily on buying pay-per-views. <laughs> well, it was way more from me. I had like I was I, definitely at the time I was a giant mark for just wrestling in general. I loved it. I thought about getting into it. Uh, I mean, I was a hardcore hardcore in wrestling then. I mean, I still love it now, but especially when I was a kid. Uh, or when I was a teenager, man. I mean, I, I even did the whole <laughs> the whole backyard wrestling thing. I did all that. Uh, so I was pretty hardcore into it. So I would, any chance I got, and if I was able to, I would buy a pay-per-view for sure. Uh, and there had been some, and I saw some bad ones, uh, and I saw some good ones. I even saw the very infamous Goldberg DDP ma- uh, match where you didn't get to see the end of it. Uh, I was one of those <laughs> that bought that. So that, That's the Halloween Havoc 98. Cause yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Hogan blinded himself with the flash paper. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, but yeah, uh, whose turn is it now? I don't even know. I think I it's yours. Know. It's yours. I okay. was just got done talking about Jericho. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, okay. This is, a, this is an old one, too. I mean, he's still around, but he definitely doesn't wrestle anymore. Uh, by the time I was old enough to get into wrestling, he was on his way down sort of. And I remember his retirement speech and everything. Uh, and I've just become such a big fan of his uh, later on. Cause I went back. He's one of those that I've re rediscovered. If that makes any sense. No. Uh, you know, I went back and watched his matches and stuff. And I was like, man, this guy's just so good. And he's such a great talker. Uh, his podcast is fairly good too. And that's Arn Anderson. Uh, I love Arn Anderson. He, to me, he is what, when you watch him in a tag team match, especially, uh, he shows you the art of what tag team wrestling can be. Cause he was always a heel. Uh, and just the little things that he, he would do in his match, <laughs> man. And the best, in my opinion, the best spine buster ever is Arn Anderson's spine buster. It's not even close. There's been some other good ones, but his is by far number one. And, uh, so I'm a giant Arn Anderson fan and he's, he's one of those that I went back and re rediscovered. And so now to me, uh, in late thirties, Johnny thinks Arn Anderson is definitely larger than life. Yeah. When I was a kid, I despised Arn Anderson, but that was like you said, his job was to make yeah. me as a kid, despise him. And he did really good. And I remember when I first saw, I, I hate calling them by that name, but the revival, I forget what they are now. Like I'm kind of a little behind. I think they're FTR. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I saw them when they were in NXT and they came out in the coats and all I could think was Arn and Tolly from like when I was a kid. Yeah. That's, that's who they kind of uh, go at. That's kind of their influences. They're from my area too. Um, they're from like the Asheville, North Carolina area. Oh. They can write. And, uh, they definitely cite those two guys as a giant influence on them. Uh, and Arn Anderson, I do believe still lives in the North Carolina as well. So it's kind of a NC. Maybe that's why <laughs> I hold him in such a high regard. How, how do you feel about the Tosh and Arn Anderson feud? <laughs> it's the, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I'm all for it. Uh, let's uh, let's see Tosh.0 get uh, spine buster. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so great. 
I know he's just like messing around, but it just takes you. It just takes me. I love it. Uh, yeah, Arn Arn Anderson is definitely one of those guys that you gotta go back and you gotta watch, and you gotta. I I don't think you could appreciate him as a as a kid, but when you get like you said, and as you get older and you rediscover him. And you watch what he can do. He was pretty damn good all around. He had that low. He still does. Like I listened to his podcast. It took me a while. Um, but he has that low, you know, kind of voice, and he seems very short and to the point, which is kind of nice. That I like a lot with Arn Anderson. Yeah. Still would like to see Tosh though. Tosh, Tosh and Iron get wondering AEW. I wonder how many buys that would take. <laughs> I'd pay for it. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be definitely one that I I would pay for that a, AEW one too. Uh my my guy. I didn't think I kind of just put him down not too long ago, and I didn't think I. If I'm just looking at a pure wrestling kind of nostalgia aspect, was Hulk Hogan. Uh, like I said, my younger son's into wrestling, so obviously I've turned into pretty much an old man when it comes to these newer wrestlers and stuff like that. But this guy's not known for technical ability in Hulk Hogan. Um, I thought just recently as an adult, like Hulk Hogan would have very little nostalgia appeal on me, but we watched SummerSlam. It was SummerSlam 91 against him and the Undertaker. The Undertaker came out and it was like, okay, it, well, not okay, but it was the same feelings like, oh my goodness, that's the Undertaker. He looks awesome with Paul Bear. And I was like, and Hulk Hogan's going to come out. But the funny thing is, like, the minute Hulk Hogan, that it, just the simple blue curtain rips back and that music plays and you see Hulk Hogan came out. I turned five years old all over again. So he wasn't going to be a guy that I mentioned, but Hulk Hogan still gives me that nostalgic feel and, you know, can take me back. Not a great technical guy. I've been to his beach shop. I had a Hogan beach shop t-shirt. He wasn't there though. I really was kind of disappointed by that, but Hulk Hogan is definitely a guy. And I actually, Raise the question in the eighties was Hulk Hogan, the biggest like sports athlete name there was in the eighties. And I couldn't think of one. That is a great question. Uh, he was humongous in the eighties. Uh, everybody knew. I mean, he was in movies and everything else. So even if you weren't into wrestling, you knew who he was. Uh, so I would dare say he transcended uh, wrestling there's only a few guys who have been able to do that. So I would definitely throw him up there for the eighties, especially. I mean, he was even in one of the Rocky movies for crying out loud. Uh, I would say yeah. just for me, just for me, I would throw in magic Johnson and Larry bird. Cause they're in the eighties as well. Uh, and I love NBA basketball. So maybe it's just me and I've been very, you know, I'm very biased when it comes to that. Uh, but it's kind of tough, man. Cause in the nineties, you could definitely say Michael Jordan, right? Like he transcended oh. his sport. Uh, you know, um, like, but 
for the 80s, the, during that time in the mid-80s, right after, especially right after he body-slammed Andre, I would dare say there was not a hotter star in any uh, athletic sport at all than Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I had somebody bring that up, the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. but And I, like, Larry Bird, I'm a huge Celtics fan, so Larry Bird is, like, a step below Jesus or God to me at some point. Um, (laughs) So there's like, like when my son started playing basketball, I started yelling at him going, you got to follow your shot. So, but even then I I think they were up and coming, but I think Hulk Hogan might've gave it to him in a smidge. You're, and that's blasphemy to say that because <laughs> oh go ahead <laughs> i think i think it's a good argument there though uh magic johnson slash larry bird because they're always kind of linked together uh yep or hulk hogan like that would be a great uh like a poll to see for anybody who remembers the 80s who was bigger um i would uh, the reason i even put magic and larry in that same uh thing was because they literally saved the nba uh, the NBA was on its way down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did not have a great reputation. Uh, the, this is something people don't even realize. The the playoff games, even the finals games, were pre-taped. Uh, they weren't even yep. live. Uh, so, and then Magic Larry came around and changed that. So um, it's, it's the reason I would even throw them even in the conversation. But, I mean, Hulk Hogan, good gosh. Especially when I was a kid. You know, he was the one who made me, you know, want to, you know, make sure I took my vitamins and and all that fun stuff because he made sure he told me that. I even watched his cartoon as a kid. So, yeah, that was that was a pretty good cartoon. Yeah, it's very, it it's very hard for me to to say that, but I think Hulk Hogan had the edge, and this was a kid. Um, being such a big Celtics fan, I remember losing my mind when Kevin McHale was on cheers. Yes. <laughs> Greatest thing in the world. <clears throat> oh man. Yeah. Uh, I could talk about Larry Bird for a long time. He's one of my all time faves. Uh, one of the, in my opinion, one of the most I, uh, yeah. craftiest passers in all of basketball ever. Uh, so Crappiest? Um, yeah, I get crafty, crafty. Oh, crafty. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. crafty. He was cra- not crappy. Crafty. crafty. Yeah. By far one of the best passers ever. A very yeah. underrated part of his game. Um, and the, the one thing I always remember though too is that he. This was a superstar. And he would die for the ball one time and smashed his head against the concrete mm-hmm. or against the against the hardwood floor. <laughs> Pretty much knocked himself unconscious because he wanted that ball so bad. So, uh, but yeah. Um, Hulk Hogan, you're probably right. Uh, I was trying to think of one. I think the closest thing we have to that now, and he's probably my next one, because uh, he's still he's. I would dare say, uh, he's one of the biggest, well-known uh, athletes. Definitely transcended wrestling, and that's The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, definitely. I mean, he's literally. Oh, I got my uh, I got my TV muted right now. Literally, there's a movie with The Rock on it that's playing right now <laughs> on TNT. So. Uh, he's, uh, he's definitely transcended the sport for sure. Everybody knows who he is. Uh, I think I read somewhere that he's one of the highest paid uh, actors now. 
<laughs> so, uh, he's he's definitely he's definitely transcends the sport. And I dare say he's one of the biggest names in in wrestling. And if you're going to do a Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, I think you'd have to consider him at least. Yeah, I've a matter of fact. Now that you said watching a movie with The Rock, just this weekend, probably yeah, starting we count Friday in there. Uh, just putting on a movie, you know, for like family time or like uh, to watch a movie with my kids. I've watched two rock movies this week, just over the weekend. Watched Jumanji, The Next Level, and the ultimate rock classic, The Tooth Fairy. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's a great one-two punch <laughs> yeah <laughs> he showed a lot of range between yes. the tooth fairy in the beginning to jumanji the next level i, I agree <laughs> <laughs> the rock the rock was one um i actually preferred the rock over stone cold and I now this of- is a great this is a great debate right here because at one point when they were both with the company they were definitely your top two and then it was everybody else. I mean I think Mick Foley was a distant third and then you had everybody else. You had those two Mick Foley and then the rest of the ranks at one point. Uh, would you take Stone Cold or The Rock? Uh, that to me is one tough question there, right? Like when Hulk Hogan was huge, uh, there were other very awesome and good wrestlers. I mean, he had Macho Man and everybody, but it was definitely Hulk Hogan who was number one. There was no question about it. Uh, this, man, because uh, I know for a fact that Stone Cold would get some huge pops and he would definitely sell pay-per-views, uh, but then I think The Rock reached that level and he may have surpassed them too, especially uh, if you, I, I think if you take their whole careers, uh, the, the, the their full careers, both of them did very well for themselves, but I would dare say The Rock is did do better than Stone Cold. He'd be my if we were doing a draft, I would take The Rock number one. Yeah, The Rock was. I think Stone Cold could do a great promo, and I think he he could do that real great. He could talk, but there was something about when The Rock talked, no matter if he was heel or face, everyone stopped to listen, and it was always good never bad and i think when wwe started scripting their promos and not letting them go like what what the rock did i think that hurt but then again you don't have that many great guys that could talk like that he wasn't like one of the greatest technical guys. You heard Bret Hart say he screwed up the sharpshooter multiple times when he tried to hook it on, but the talking could surpass the wrestling and he made an elbow drop, a finishing move. So, I mean, yes. unbelievable yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, the rock is, would be, <clears throat> if I was on a, a draft of wrestlers ever, I I would have to say it. I at the very least consider him my very first pick, just for everything he would bring to the table. Yeah, he was he was pretty. He was he was really literally literally one of their when WWE wanted to make a second show for the week, they named it after something he would say, and they made it SmackDown. Yeah, (laughs) that's saying something right there. 
one of my guys is uh, he's 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 falling a little bit, but um, from even like a kid like golden age, and he always had the great name was Jake Jake the Snake Roberts. Yes, He'd come out with the sack and you know with Damian in there talked real low all the time. He wasn't the crazy yeller like the Ultimate Warrior or Hulk Hogan. Um, the man invented the DDT. Just uh, just an awesome guy. I remember, I don't know if you remember too, as a kid, do you remember like wrestling would come on on like a Saturday? Yeah. And it would be like the stupid show and it would be like a big name wrestler. Um Somebody probably like in the mid card, like Jake the Snake or something like that, or the Undertaker would come out when before, or um, and they wrestled the jobber, and you always knew that they were gonna win. That's when Jake the Snake was like the best because he come out, he beat him, and you knew you got to see Damian every single time, and Damian was such a selling point to watch him put the snake on there, and you. It'd be kind of it was creepy and cool, but at the same time, yeah, I love Jake the Snake as well. Uh, big fan of his, and it's honestly mainly. I mean, I love the DDT. That's probably my favorite all time wrestling moves. But uh, it's the way he would deliver promos. You kind of spoke on it. Uh, the fact that he would just be really quiet, but he would say stuff, and everything he said was just believable, just from how he would deliver it. Like everything he said, I was like, yeah, he's going to do those things, uh, you know, uh, and it takes a lot because, you know, most of these guys, like you said, would would get louder and scream things. So anytime that he would even raise the volume of his voice, my ears perked up and I would listen because <laughs> it meant something when he would do it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you on this, Jake the Snake, for sure. Uh, and and I, I still remember when Macho Man got bit by the snake. Yeah. <laughs> My mouth dropped when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were, uh, there was a funny story about that. Uh, Macho Man's brother, I think, started talking about it, where the, he wanted to make sure that the snake definitely didn't have any venom in it, and he kept on, and he would ask him, you know, he'd be like, "This is sure there's no venom?" And he's like, "Yeah, there's no venom." He's like, "You're gonna just let it bite me?" He's like, "Yeah." yeah. I'm like about it, just asking and asking and asking him about it he ruined miss he ruined their wedding wasn't it their wedding i think so it's all miss elizabeth and macho man yeah it was something that yeah. he definitely interrupted something that might be it uh yeah you're you're it's your your turn you got anybody else or i got one more um I already kind of mentioned this name in passing. This is just for me. I guarantee I'm the only one who thinks this. Okay. <laughs> and that's and that's fine. But when I was a teenager and I first saw this guy do the shooting star press. I know exactly. I, my my brain exploded. I thought it was the most amazing thing I ever seen. And then he would then I started watching him wrestle. And you could never even powerbomb this guy because <laughs> he would reverse oh. everything. Uh, I'm talking Billy Kidman. Uh, oh. Billy Kidman is one of my all-time favorites, even to this day. Uh, man, I I, I, re, I still remember 
when this is when WCW was on the downswing. They were actually about done. They probably maybe had about a year left at most. And they finally decided, hey, we'll finally give some of these younger guys a shot at the top part. And uh, Kidman had a, a whole program with Hulk Hogan. Uh, and, man, I I tell you what, I think he wasn't given enough. He's one of those to me that it was sad he didn't get more chances to really shine because he was just so good. Uh, but yeah, Billy Kidman is my is my one. If I ever, he's one of the few ones that that I've always held in high regard. I never gotten to meet, and I but I'd probably fan out if I got to meet him. Yeah, I, Billy Kidman was awesome. the The Raven flock thing, like when I yes. first when yeah. I started getting back in, and the NWO, it was when they were still popular, but they were getting to the point where it was like, are you? an 80s wrestler from the golden age then come and join us so it wasn't anything like cool too much to me but then i saw raven's flock <clears throat> and i know what you're talking about when you see when you saw billy kidman first do it and you're like did did he just do that and i remember his it was he never called it the shooting star press when he was with the flock it was the seven year itch yes <laughs> yes <laughs> And my he, would always, mother, he would scratch himself. Yep. And my mother heard it and was like, what does he have? Scavies? And I'm like, no, it's his <laughs> finishing move. <laughs> but Billy, Billy Kidman and the flock was, that was pretty awesome. I'm, I was a big ECW guy. And my guy, if I had a, a choose one out of there that is still larger than life. And when I see him, even though he's older now, um, I think he still wrestles, but for like TNA, maybe every once in a while is uh, Mr. PPV, Mr. Monday night, Rob Van. I mean, you, the Sandman was cool. The whole triple threat. But when I saw Rod Van Dam and the stuff he did, and he would have the Van Daminator, the Van Terminator, and there was something else. I was like, this is because I was, yeah, I was a teenager. My teenage head like exploded at how cool this guy was. And he was named after probably the biggest, one of the biggest action stars ever from when I was growing up and when we were growing up, I don't know how you feel about John Claude Van Damme, but he was pretty amazing to me for a couple of years. But Rob Van Damme to this day is still absolutely amazing to me. Yeah. John Claude Van Damme could do a split with two chairs. So he's always going to have a hot spot to me. <laughs> I could never even fathom even thinking about doing that. Uh, yeah. Rob Van Damme does still wrestle. And I think he wrestles what they're called impact now, but, uh, T- used to be TNA. Uh, I think he still does some stuff for them. Uh, yeah, I definitely remember that. I mean, even when he, when uh, WWE bought ECW and some of their guys came over, he was still big. I mean, he still got huge pops from that crowd, from the WWE crowd. And that says something. Like, he was able to translate from ECW, which was a more of a, I mean, it got pretty big, but it was definitely more of a regional type thing in a way. Um, you definitely had a you had to have a taste for that wrestling, uh, and he transcended it. So I I think this is a great pick, uh, Mister Monday Night. And even though he, even though I I'd swear to you he was high half the time, and he probably was, 
<laughs> this guy can still put on a like a four to five star match. I mean, he was just so good. Yeah, I, ECW was like when there was kind of like the big three. Then ECW was number one to me. So I pretty much watched every ECW pay per view, every WWE pay per view, just because it was WWE. At the bottom, it was pick and choose, but ECW was like my go-to, and it would only be played at first when I first watched it, really late at night on uh, the MSG channel up here. So, like, it was one night, and I stayed up late, and then all of a sudden, I'm flipping through the channels, and I just see a guy flipping to the crowd. Um, Sandman drinking a beer, smashing his head with the kendo stick, and doing all the crazy stuff. And ECW, like, has the biggest spot in my heart. And I think Paul Heyman is the greatest man alive. Like, like if I was to start a wrestling company and I could afford it, I would hire Paul Heyman on the spot. Nobody else, just Paul Heyman, and just let him go wild again. I would definitely let Paul Heyman pick my talent because that dude has an eye for talent for sure. Uh, it's uh, ECW. Like- when I was growing up, ECW was okay. was pretty big for me too. Uh, I probably wasn't into it as much as you were, but I definitely liked it quite a lot. Uh, I remember when they had uh, an hour long show, and I think it was like TNN or something like that. It was like a country music station or something, and they got like a show okay. on there. Uh, I wouldn't miss one. I would tape it if I was wasn't going to be home because I think it was on a Friday night or something like that, and I didn't want to miss it. So uh, I definitely feel you when it comes to ECW for sure. Yeah, My guy was, was Tommy Dreamer though. Oh, okay. See, I don't. You, you're would not. When I got back into wrestling, I kind of fell out of it a couple of years ago. But then maybe around 2015, I started getting back into it, and that was when they were. Sting was in the WWE, and that was like the only thing. And then um, they were talking about a WrestleMania match between Sting and The Undertaker. And I was like, yeah. and I worked with some younger younger kids and stuff like that. And I said, imagine if they did at WrestleMania. And you could tell me, because they told me, imagine if they did at a WrestleMania, they did a triple threat match. I don't think you could do it now. But if you took the icons from each three one of those that you consider like big so you would have like a triple threat match between the undertaker sting and tommy dreamer i was like that would be awesome to see because those were like the big names they weren't always holding titles like um hulk hogan did both ways you know stone cold and the rock but they did have titles but they were always like the mainstay staples. I was like, wouldn't that be awesome if they did a triple threat match? And I got pretty much told that would be the dumbest idea. So from <laughs> an, another wrestling fan, I don't know how you would feel about it. I would but, love it. <laughs> so, okay, I'm on board with you on that. Because uh, all three of those guys, if you just say their name, the first thing you're going to think of is whatever company they wrestled for. Uh, is that they're kind of an, uh, they kind of represent that company. Like Sting is always going to be WCW. Uh, Tommy Dreamer is always going to be ECW. Undertaker is always going to be WWF slash E. So <clears throat> I'd, I'd be all over it. I don't know if they did the match now. I doubt the match would be good because all these guys are older now. But I would 100% watch every min- minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Did you partake in my sting versus sting <laughs> poll? I don't know if you did. I don't think I did. Which is it different eras of sting? No, or it like, it's or uh, sting ver- or is it sting versus the sting from Genesis? Yeah, it's like yeah, <laughs> sting, sting versus the musician sting. All right, well, wrestler sting wins for me. It's not even close. Okay, because I look at the votes on things because I want to be nosy and see what. And uh, I, a mutual friend of ours, Mister Matt Johnson, I peeked at what he did. And he voted for the musician sting. Oh, I want to have a word with him. <laughs> yes, I and I completely forgot about it. And that was <laughs> that was that was pretty odd for me. Yeah, I don't I don't care for that uh, opinion at all. It's wrestler <laughs> sting all the way. Well. Johnny, I'd like to say thank you for coming on the show. And matter of fact, at my desk now. So you do an amazing job. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, very much appreciate being on here. It's always fun to talk about, you know, fun stuff with wrestling. Uh, so that this was a blast. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely great. Um, if you guys like what... Uh, want to hear more from johnny he does i gotta give you the rundown uh history creeps harley kayfabe retro bliss and retro pop am i missing one no you got it that's it yes okay if you want to hear me run my dumb mouth if you want to hear me run my dumb mouth more then there's plenty of stuff to find me on and it's good. It's good. It's good. Like I said, I've talked to Johnny. He just doesn't know it, but I've talked to him through the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, thank you very much for being on the show. And thank you, everybody or has listened or, you know, you know who you are. And, uh, Nice Truman Show ending once again. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. We got to drive 75 yards. All right. We could do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. So what's the play? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three.
Ready. Set. Mother. Delay of game. Offense.